each major part of the Bible and seeing where each story, sub-story, little story fits into the big story. We talked about the creation. We saw humanity's sin against God. We saw the conflict introduced. Uh, we saw God give people control. This was last week. Give people control over the earth uh, to show us what would happen to the earth if people were in charge and God didn't intervene. He gave people 120 years, right, uh, to try to steward the earth well. And what happened? What happens when people rule the earth, the world, without God's intervention? It goes horribly wrong, right? Uh, God observes the earth. It's filled with Genesis chapter 6. It is filled with wickedness. Every intent of the human heart is only wicked all the time. We still make movies about this kind of stuff when people who are selfish are in charge of things. The whole world comes crumbling down, right? And so God observed the world filled with wickedness, filled with violence, and decides to remove the wickedness and the violence, right? And he chooses one man who is righteous in his family. He floods the earth but saves them by instructing them to build an ark, right? And then after the flood comes, God says, okay, my spirit will again strive with humanity. I will intervene. I will no longer curse the ground on account of people. This is the end of Genesis chapter 8. I will no longer curse the ground on account of people. And I will never again destroy the earth on account of people, even though people are evil, okay? Uh, so that is a promise that God has now made. Um, throughout our series, I'm going to begin tracing out the story using these blocks. And so we had the fall, which is the conflict here. And in the flood, uh, God establishes uh, the high ground. He, he takes the high ground, right? Uh, he establishes a foothold. Uh, this big story, the Bible, is God against death. He's fighting it on behalf of humanity. And today we get at the account of Babel. Okay, what happens in the story of Babel? People decide, hey, it's a good idea to build a tower to the heavens. Okay, why are they doing this? This is Genesis chapter 6, verses 1 through 6. Let me read this to you. Now the whole earth used the same language and the same words. It came about as they journeyed east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. They said to one another, come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they used brick for stone, and they used tar for mortar. They said, Come, let us build for ourselves a city and a tower whose top will reach into heaven. And let us make for ourselves a name. Otherwise, we will be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. Okay, what was their motivation? Why were they doing what they were doing? Why were they trying to build this city and this tower? To be known, to make a name for ourselves. Yeah, themselves. Um, what was going on in Genesis chapter 6 that made the world so terrible, made it full of wickedness and violence? Human pride, uh, selfishness, entitlement. People were doing things for, for themselves, right? And we've talked about this before. When we live for ourselves, how do we typically treat other people? Not well, right? In fact, the definition of loving someone else is putting their needs before our own, right? Right? Uh, the definition of loving someone else means considering them to be more important than us. Uh, these are ways that the Bible actually instruct, instructs us to, to live. 
Um, but these people, they're doing this for themselves, which, uh, these are Cushites, by the way. You read the story leading up to this. These are Cushites building the city of Babel under the leadership of a man named Nimrod. And this nation is coming to power, the nation of Cush. And if Cush only focuses on Cush, and doesn't consider any of the other nations in the world. Everything Cush does is for Cush. Everything this community does is for this community only. Um, what happens between this nation and other nations on the earth? What typically happens when nations are concerned with promoting themselves above other nations? Conflict, war, okay, Wick wickedness, okay, death, okay, violence. So everything that was happening in Genesis chapter 6, right? So we read this and we might think, you know, what problem does God have with people building a tower? He doesn't, right? We build skyscrapers all the time today and God doesn't come down and destroy whole countries because they build skyscrapers, okay? He doesn't have a problem with people building towers. He doesn't have a problem with people building cities. He does have a problem with people doing this for themselves, right? Um, because that's the very mentality that leads to war, that leads to injustice, that leads to violence, that brings about death on the earth. And humanity is pitted against death, right, from Genesis chapter 3, when people sinned against God. And God has said as early as Genesis chapter 3, I will defeat death on behalf of humanity. So at Babel, instead of letting things get so bad where he must destroy the world again, what does God do? He intervenes, right? He intervenes because he has made a promise in Genesis chapter 8. He has made a promise never again to destroy the earth on account of human sin because of human wickedness. Never again to curse the ground on account of human wickedness. So God intervenes. The Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. And the Lord said, behold, they are one people and they all have the same language. And this is what they began to do. They began this spiral toward wickedness again, towards injustice again, towards violence again, toward promoting themselves again. And now nothing which they purpose will be impossible for them. Without God's intervention, the world would become a Genesis 6 world again. And God would need to respond as a just God has to by destroying wickedness and violence upon the earth. But instead of letting it get that far, God says, come, let us go down and there confuse their language so that they will not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of the whole earth and they stopped building the city. Therefore, its name was called Babel because there the Lord confused the language of the whole earth and from there the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of the whole earth. So, God takes the high ground against death on humanity's behalf, right? He promises, my spirit will strive with humanity again. I will never again destroy the earth on account of humankind. And death looks back at God and says, we will see about that. People begin building a city, begin doing the same things that lead to a Genesis 6 world. And God, instead of letting it happen, says, no, we're not doing this again. Instead, I'm going to intervene. I'm going to confound their languages. 
and I am going to scatter them so that they will not bring the degree of injustice and the degree of wickedness and the degree of violence that was on the earth in Genesis 6. This is God saving the world. This is God defending his post, the high ground. He is fortifying fortifying the high ground that he has taken. And when it comes to the story of Babel, have you ever heard this story, sub-story, the Tower of Babel, like put in its context within the story as a whole? Um, or have you just seen it as like a story that's kind of separated without the context around it? Do you see how the pieces of Scripture aren't isolated from one another, but that everything fits together so far? And even when we move into the New Testament, everything's going to fit together in a, in a beautiful and in a wonderful way. Um, what kind of encouragement do you see in a story like this when we put it in the context of the Bible as a whole? Well, the first thing I see when put in the context of the Bible as a whole, right, when we see this as part of a larger story, is that God isn't just vindictive or malicious, and he's not coming against people in an arbitrary way, and he's not just like mad at people for building a city or building a tower, right? Instead, God is quite literally, through doing this, like saving humanity. Uh, God is the good guy in the story. And even when God comes against a nation for doing things selfishly, right, even when he does that, he's, he's for humanity, not against humanity. Now, that doesn't mean that everybody will be saved, right? But we see God's heart here. Um, the whole story, the whole Bible tells us how God is fighting for humanity, not against humanity. And I am very encouraged by that. We see that when he does come against humanity, he intervenes, he reveals his just wrath against nations, right? It's because, it's because he's fighting for life against injustice, against wickedness, and he's actually doing what needs to be done in order to prevent the degree of violence on the earth that we saw in Genesis chapter 6. And I think that's encouraging, right? Uh, is God the good guy or the bad guy? Is he the hero or the villain? Is the gospel good news or bad news? Right, this story is good news. Um, this story is good news.